What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Middle Don't let anybody tell you that anything has changed in the world of sports just because we only have a few weekends of football left in college football December. The draft is coming. Golf is starting up. We are full steam ahead. Free agency. Coaching hires haven't even happened. Uh, I, I, can, I, can I open up the show with a wild stat? Yeah, please. Stole this from uh, Scott Shapiro, who runs Fox Sports Radio, tweeted this out, and I emailed it to myself just because I was like, damn, that is, that's a good nugget. 25 years old is the average age of the starting quarterbacks left in the AFC. 37 years old is the average age of the quarterbacks left in the NFC. I started thinking like, yeah, you got Rodgers, Breeze, Brady. Like it's fucking, you know, the Rams, it doesn't even matter. Like they're they're so old that they're going to bring up that, that number. Honestly, if it was just, if Russell Wilson had just landed in the, in the second round, that number from 37 might bump up to like 39. Wow. And then the young guys, you know, you just think about it. Lamar, you have three guys from the 2018 draft class. Baker, like Baker, listen, I've shit on him a lot. I know you have too. He he has as many playoff wins now as Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Like he had a pretty big second half of this season just kind of riding the ship and he he didn't do, I mean, he he was fine. Does he have as many night, as San, Mark Sanchez yet? Uh, yeah, I think Mark only had one. Uh, did Mark have one? Maybe well, did, two? I think he had to have two. Yeah, he probably had two. He did have two, I think. Yeah, he did, because he won on the road. But, yeah, 25 years old. It's a young crew, you know? Mahomes, Baker, Josh, and Lamar. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I was thinking this watching the national championship game on Monday. Because, um, you know, every quarterback we watch at college, and we talk about Justin Fields a lot, and Mac Jones, and we'll get to them. Is like, is this guy a star? Like, could he get drafted in the top three? The fact is, I shouldn't say the fact. My off the top of my head, my guess, but I'd have to go back and just kind of go year by year and kind of eyeball it. But it, 
in any given time on the planet Earth, how many elite quarterbacks exist? Like elite in college or elite in the NFL? In other words, like Mac Jones this year qualifies as an elite quarterback, right? He's not an NFL quarterback, but for his standard, and I would yeah. say there were probably in college football this year, Fields, Jones, Trask. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Zach Wilson. Right, at any given you, time. there's And then you also, you're factoring the NFL too, and, then like Rodgers, Russell, yeah. Brady. I would say in the NFL this year, how many elite level, how many elite quarterbacks were there? I'd say Mahomes, Brady threw 40 touchdowns. Yep. Herbert. Herbert. Josh Allen. I, I, I know Russell had a rough December, but he had but a But he's an elite year. quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I'm <laughs> yeah. just saying at any given time. Josh, Josh Allen. I'd say Lamar. Yeah, there was a solid group. Yeah, 12 to 15 total. My guess is there are less when we combine the elite guys in college and the NFL. There are less, less elite quarterbacks walking the face of the earth in any given year than there are f- teams in the NFL. I agree. Yeah. Like, just remember that. We're like, is this is this the guy? He's like, probably not. I'm not even yeah. talking about Mac Jones there. Just odds are no. Because like if we got liberal, if we got like pretty liberal with our selection process, we could probably get to 16 guys, right? In the maybe NFL, eight, maybe eight and eight. You yeah, know? yeah. Maybe 10 and eight or something like that. Right. Maybe get to 18. And someone would be like, oh, there's this D, there's this FCS guy you guys aren't talking about. Like, okay, let's throw him in there. Yeah. See if you did some of that, like whoever the best, like the Tony Romo of the one double A. They did one double A didn't even play this year. So it's a little skewed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I mean, let's, well, they played one game, Trey Lance. Uh, <laughs> didn't go well. <laughs> didn't go well. But and then if we got rid of the college guys and just went with NFL guys, it's again the list is short. So at any given yeah. time, every draft, and I'm I was thinking about this too in the context of like golf and Wentz. Yeah, the odds that you get Eli and Philip Rivers in your same draft are really low. And in the end, you know Eli had to win two Super Bowls and to make himself a Hall of Famer, but he did it. And Philip is, you know, we can argue about whether Philip's a Hall of Famer. Were you watching any of the pregame? On Saturday morning or Sunday, it would have been Saturday morning before the Colts game when Cower did a sit down with Rivers over Zoom, Mm-mm. and they were they kind of rehashed that 04 draft. And I guess Cower's like, "Do you remember we spent a lot of time at the combine and flew you into Pittsburgh?" He's like, "Did you think you were going to be a Stealer?" And Rivers like, "Yeah, I thought I was going to be a Stealer." Wow. And then they do the throwback to the draft night. They're like, "Breaking news!" It was like uh, Pete Rozelle. Or not Tagliabue. Roger Paul. wasn't even the commissioner then. Yeah. So Paul comes up. There's been a trade. It was NBA style. They have traded Eli Manning for Phillip Rivers and a pick. Like they, they announced the names. It was wild. I was like, damn, that, that feels like a lifetime ago. That doesn't even happen anymore. That was cool, though. What a draft. Those two guys and, and Ben, like that's... Three pretty legendary guys. Yeah, it's incredible. And who knows? We always talk about what would have happened if the Giants and Chargers hadn't done the switch. But what if it's that? What if Philip ends up in Pittsburgh and Ben ends up in in San Diego? I do think you would. Have, ben might not have been mature enough to handle San Diego. <clears throat> Probably a little bit easier in Pittsburgh to just that the crew of guys they had. I, there's just more shit to get into. I'm just I, yeah. I, no, there's no question. And it's a good. San point. Diego was good. Remember though, when they got him, like they were loaded. Yeah, I, I just, I guess what I'm saying is like, would Phillip, Rivers probably a legend? Would, yeah. yeah, would Rivers be a no-brainer Hall of Famer at this point? You think he's a Hall of Famer? Uh, so this one's hard. I mean, I think he is based on just what the Hall of Fame. You know, I, the Hall of Fame is not just only the greatest players of all time. Yeah, 
right? Jerry Rice, that's the cutoff. Exactly. It's like, no, it's, so it's changed. Did, did, when I watched him, did I think that's one of the greatest quarterbacks I've ever seen? No. But if we just looked at the balance of his career, like over the course of his career, he just was consistently one of the best quarterbacks in the league in those given years. So yeah, I do think he's a Hall of Famer. Because to me, Ben is better than the, if you just had to. Ben's the best of the three, right? Ben's peak was just elite, and he won. Like he's the total package, and he was good for like a twelve-year period of time when he was like he could carry a franchise. Then I think there's a legitimate argument between Rivers and Eli. Rivers and I think might- most people, non-Giants fans, will go Rivers' career, non-playoffs, better, better quarterback. Yeah, yeah just sixteen-game seasons for like fifteen straight years. I would say you don't but say career; the- you just say who was the better player, and you probably go yeah. Rivers, right? Rivers was. Eli has accomplishments that Rivers can never hold a candle to. It's just me personally. If neither of them got in, I'd be like, yeah, they're on this hollow, really good. But the problem is, if you do the well, you can't tell the history of the league. You really you could tell it without Rivers. Manning did play a pretty. You big, can't like, tell, yeah. But I mean, you that game gets a little dangerous too, right? I know because like you can't tell it without uh, Larry Brown, Antonio Brown. Yeah, yeah. I was go Cowboys corner, Larry Brown. It's like all right, yeah. Don Beebe. You can't tell it without Don Beebe. Yeah. Anyway, Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy. You prefer to tell it without Greg Hardy, but it happened. Yeah, you would. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right, John. It is. Uh, what do I want to pass the puff puff playoffs? Ease.com <laughs> promo code ham or promo code ham 10. Would that be Jim? What Jim Morrow would say? Getting ready for the puff puff playoffs. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about puff puff <laughs> playoffs. <laughs> you get ready for the puff puff playoffs with our friends at ease.com promo code ham. Please tell your friends. Go tell your friends right now. Text. What I want you to do if you're listening to this, text a friend and go, bro, have you used ease.com? Promo code ham. Get yourself a little discount. Do that right now. That's what we want you to do. Text a friend or a relative, anyone that will just lives in California. Number one cannabis delivery in America, but definitely in California, all over the place. They'll deliver it to your house. Do it today. Do it tonight. Edibles, topicals, pre-rolls, vapes, you name it. They got it. Ease.com. Text a friend right now. Spread the word. Yeah. That's, what, that's, what, that's all we want of you. We don't want you to, if you've already used it, you can use Ham 10 to get yourself a little discount if you haven't already, but tell a friend. Uh, just got to be 21 or over. You get verified online in minutes, 20 bucks off, then delivered to you in minutes. 20 bucks off your first delivery of $50 or more, or if you're a returning user, ham 10. Pretty great. Word of mouth Pretty is crazy that we, that we function forever without like delivery. It's like, who delivered? Uh, pizza. <laughs> and that was like the only thing in America. And yep. maybe like, like furniture stores. You know, it was a small list. <laughs> now you just, on an app, you order a car and it just pulls up to your yeah. house. Well, it's like, I need a right sandal. Be like, here in 10 minutes, you know? <laughs> I mean, what what can't you order? Like, I need, I want a Dr. Pepper from 7-Eleven. Oh, I can Postmate it. They'll pick it up for That's me. That's right. <laughs> like, have you ever ordered ice cream on delivery? Uh, I haven't, no. Have you? I have. Like, ice cream from a, uh, what's the- Done b- both. Done You've both. done ice cream from like an ice cream shop, where it's just, in every the second it gets made, it is melting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and how, how was the product? How was I mean, ease.com, promo code AMP. Well, I think I think delivery now is at such a pretty hot, like they're used to it, that they do a good job of keeping it in the cooler before oh, the guy okay, picks okay. up. They don't, they don't hold it out. Uh, and if you don't want to have like tubs of ice cream at your house, it's just one well, sitting. I don't. You just, you know, I don't it's either. That's why I do. It. That's why I do it. Yeah. You know. By the way, they're not a they're not a uh, a sponsor on this podcast. But I learned something yesterday. Manscaped, 
uh, Alyssa, my wife's best friend, Karina, who you remember, you guys were in the wedding party together. Her husband, yeah. Mike, uh, Alyssa's talking to Karina, who tells her, oh, Mike just ordered, uh, just ordered some Manscaped. And I'm like, oh, that's cool. She goes, he ordered a nose hair trimmer. So shout out to oh. Mike for supporting. I didn't even, I didn't realize you'd go nose hair trimmer. Did he do promo code AM? Uh, I assume so. Cause she's like, well, how did he, what is he? She's like, oh, it's from the podcast. They had a conversation about it. You know, neither one fully knew all the details and I put the details together. I kind of put it together. I'm like, oh, Mike got it. But she told her Mike got it from the podcast. How so, do you attack your nose hairs? Uh, yank them. It's a bad way to do it. You can go, you uh, get hospitalized too. for that. Well, you, you just cry. I mean, you just get in front of a mirror, you yank, and you cry. <laughs> that's that's just part of the deal. I do it probably once every month. It's awful. And if you forget about it for a while and you look down, you're like, oh, my God, I got more hair coming out of my nose than I have on my head. I got an ear hair situation, too, that is, I don't think, I think there's no turning back. Like, this is my life now. It's just every day it needs to be attended to, or I just look like the 80-year-old guy with ear hair. I just, it's a problem. You just, you're like George Blanda. Yeah. <laughs> like Blanda, like 41-year-old Blanda. Mybookie.ag promo code HAM1. Go get it. Yep. Alabama cover. <laughs> Covered. I mean, that was, you had some hope early when it was like 14, 14. You're like, you know, they can do it. But you still were kind of like, I don't know. It doesn't quite look right. And by about the third quarter, you're like, yeah, I, I only put a hundred bucks on it. So it didn't hurt that bad. Also, because once you start watching, you're like, why did, what I put, I bet against Alabama and they couldn't cover the guy. Crazy. So I've lost a couple hundred dollars when you factor in my, my golf bets. You know, they, you see these guys at the Century, they were going really low, and yeah. uh, Kokrak and Blanto Griffin screwing me. But I'm going to dive back in, guy. Uh, I, I do think a philosophy, mybookie.ag, promo code HAM1, is just finding good players that are like 50 to 100 to 1 and just sprinkle like four $25 bets. I'm telling you, it kept me pretty locked into the tournament when a couple of my Kokrak went on a run where he was like 10 under through on the second day. I'm like, I got a chance. I, I uh, There's a few NFL ones we're going to have to figure out. We'll do we'll do our picks later in the week. There's a few things that I, like, I'll tell you the first one. The Browns plus 10 against the Chiefs. I like the Chiefs, but these aren't last year's Chiefs. Yeah, 10, 10 points a lot. So that's one that I, my first, re, my initial reaction. And here's the other one. I, I are going to be fans there. I do think it's like okay, the the playoffs. Welcome started. to the playoffs. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that that one makes me a little nervous. I would say one thing I'm waiting on is is everybody just going to take the Bucks and three points because that feels like the pick. But I wonder if it's not. I'm starting to wonder if it's not. I'm taking the Bucks. I think the Bucks win. I'm just simply yeah. going. I'm taking the Bucks. What about you? Can get the Bucks right now to win the Super Bowl eight to one. I mean, it's value. I, I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl, but... Well, basically, if you just throw the Chiefs out, which I have the heavy favorites right now, you get the Packers 4-1, to one, you get the Bills 5.5-1, to one, you get the Saints 6-1, to one, you get the Bucks 8-1. to one. I'd say on a typical year, before Patrick Mahomes existed, and it, was, it felt more... Even some of those Patriot teams that didn't feel quite as dominant and a lock to win, it does feel like there's pretty good value, right? Like, do you think the Chiefs are... Do you think the Chiefs are going to win the Super Bowl? I, I mean, I, I don't. do, but I don't feel no, confident I, about I, it. If, if you're asking me, like, do I? I don't think they win the Super Bowl. Who I think, would you think is more likely, the Packers or the Buccaneers? The Packers. You don't see Brady going in there and winning? Oh, I could see it. I absolutely could see it. But I'm picking the Packers. I just, I've watched the Bucs too many times where they don't impress me. 
Now they impressed me against the Packers. I mean, they looked fantastic. But you know, I now granted, I don't want to undersell Washington football team. They are a really good defense, but the Bucks had to scratch and claw to beat Taylor Heineke. That ain't Aaron Rodgers. I guess Rodgers. This would be a big, big Super Bowl victory for him. Gets a second ring, I, MVP. I think. I think it's Packers Bills. Brady's at the point right now where he's like Bezos or Elon. It's like, yeah, just how much more money do you need? You know, but that's not how like, Saban treats it. Saban treats it like, no, yep, no. I'm going to get seven. You think Brady's treating it like no, that? I don't. Fuck I don't. no. But my my point is like in terms of legacy, the Bucks eight to one, and their team is pretty good. But they do got to go to Green Bay. I do think Rodgers probably realizes like. I'm only getting so many more shots. Like, Tom just has so much already. Like, I only have the one. I've really only been to one Super Bowl. That's the other thing. Even though they're in the playoffs all the time, in our adult life guy, in the, of this Rodgers run, they've been to one Super Bowl. Pretty, Isn't that kind of crazy? Uh, dare I say, I mean, kind of underachieving, McCarthy. Big time. I mean, I, they and somehow he survived. It, it feels like we thought McCarthy should get fired or would get fired. It never even came close to getting fired. Uh, Rogers, not. I mean, Rogers needs a second Super Bowl, John. I like the Packers. What'd you say their odds are? What do you think the line is? Let's say the Bucks beat the Saints, because you do agree the Bucks have a better chance of beating the Packers in Lambeau than the Saints. I absolutely, right, yeah, Greece. I do agree with that. Yes. So the Bucks beat the Saints this week, which I'm with you. The Saints could easily win the game. I mean, the Saints are fucking good too. But if we just look at the best AFC championship game, which I think the league would sign up for, Brady, Rodgers. What's the line on that game? Five? Or they've already beat him? Is it three? I Is think it's just the classic three-point yeah, line. I, I think Two it's... and a half, three. Well, don't you think the Bucks would get a lot of decent amount of people would take away? I get Brady as an underdog. Yeah, that's why it's, that's why it can't be five and a half or four and a half. But I think yeah. it might be four. Now, you're right. The fact that they beat them the way they beat them might bring that down a little bit. Who, okay, the Chiefs don't win the AFC. You like the Bills or the Ravens more? I like the Bills. I'd say that you give the Browns zero shot, 28 to one. I give, I don't give the Browns. I mean, I don't either. I respect the Browns. I res- I do, but I don't think they can do that. I'm with you. I don't think Baker's good enough for that, but I'd like, ba- I mean, look, Baker's clearly, Baker's got something and he's got a chance because of his coach in three years to look back and go like, all right, that really, Two years that developed like that really came together, and Baker's been through a lot, like different coaches and all that. So I give yeah. him credit, but I'm with you. I don't know. All right, John. Breaking news: The Raiders have hired as their new defensive coordinator Gus Bradley. We've confirmed. Believe the text, not the picture. Gus Bradley's the new DC. What do we think? Well, anytime a bald guy can get a job, we uh, we celebrate first and foremost. Second. <laughs> They went with Paul Gunther when John got the job, and it was an unmitigated disaster. Now, I leave some room for error and a decent amount of the drafting was horrendous, and they screwed up a lot. But clearly, he wasn't good. His message of just basic NFL football was not there. I mean, guys, it's one thing to just get, you know, give up yards and touchdowns. It's another thing the way they went about it consistently over a two and a half year period, right? Yep. It looked a little bit like Ohio State's game plan against Devontae Smith, but on a weekly basis against just random teams. You're like, geez, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you know, just name after name. It's it's not just Mahomes. So it's an upgrade. And and second, you get a guy with a long history of running defenses, right? He did it with Pete, and then he became a head coach, but implemented his defense in Jacksonville. And then has gone with the Chargers. 
And they've been hit or miss. You know, they didn't win as many games as they should have with their talent. But for the most part, I think he's widely viewed in the NFL as one of the better defensive coaches and just one of the solid defensive coordinators. So yeah. relative to Paul Gunther, it's it's an upgrade. I would put it this way. I think it's a uh, it's a it's a high floor higher. I like, agree. Right, Gus Bradley's worst. You're not going to be the second or third Jim O'Neill or Paul Gunther or something like that. Right, right. This guy, if you're like, oh, to me, if we went back when Gus Bradley had a bad year, it might be bottom third of the league, but it's not going to be bottom three in the league. Yeah. So from that standpoint, I think it's a good hire. To me, this is what you just hired a defensive coordinator that other people would want to hire. I think you're right. I think the, un- the the part for him specifically that's been tough is the Chargers do have really good talent on paper on defense. But again, this year, it's Melvin Ingram. It's Derwin James on IR. It's Joey Bosa. To me, the headline that I see is they hired a good defensive coordinator, but he still needs John Gruden's help. Like the Chargers defense, Pete's defenses, at least when they began with guys like Gus, Dan Quinn, they're predicated on having great players, which, you know, I, I don't kill a coach for needing great players. No, no team's ever won a championship without great players. You have to have great players. So if that's the requirement of your defense, that's not a deal breaker for me. And the fact is, like you said, the Raiders have done a better job, I think, offensively. Like Colton Miller, good pick. Josh Jacobs, we could talk about the value. Clearly an NFL player. Brian Edwards, we like him. Henry Ruggs has got to get better. I do look at this higher and think, this guy does need help from John Gruden and Mike Mayock. But he needs help from John Gruden with players. Well, when Gus Bradley became Pete's defensive coordinator in Seattle when Pete first got the job... By the end of that run, they were established in 2012 as like that kind of powerhouse unit, right? Of Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman, all those guys were young, about to come on. And then he gets the Jacksonville job. Dan Quinn takes it over. And then they kind of became that powerhouse for a couple of years. But it felt like he laid the foundation and he understood for coming from, you know, Pete. But like when he's had success and their their defense, I don't know exactly where it ended up this year. At one point in time, when the Chargers were like had five wins in December, they were the only team in the league that had the top ten offense and a top ten defense. And again, when you say top ten defense, usually it means yards, and I think that's which that's is pretty hollow. Yeah, they were like, tenth uh, in yards, John, but they were twenty third in points this year. Yeah, to me, Belichick, you know, he's always insinuated like, and I think Saban too, who yards? Like it's about points. The point of the game is to score points. I would say third down conversions. There are a lot, like it's pretty easy the way we quantify offense, right? Points, uh, third down percentage, I would say. Takeaways. Uh, yeah, you're, you're. I'm sorry, you're talking about offense? offense yeah, how yeah, the, yeah. the quarterback statistics, you know, rush yards I, per I think game. sacks allowed is probably something we talk Sa- about a lot. Yeah, I think with defense, there is still an eye test, and I think he is now just considered one of the better defenses you know, defensive coordinators going. And for the Raiders, like, their goal is not Super Bowls. I mean, guy, their, their goal is, you could argue, not even the playoffs. I mean, they've made the playoffs wow. once in 18 years. Their goal, years. Is, their goal the is to have a winning, I, I know, but their goal is to have a their winning record. Yeah. A winning record. Dubow tweeted out yesterday, over the last three years, the coaches, the coaches that are still employed... Over the last three years, John Gruden is the only one of that group not to make the playoffs. Like, it's just unheard of in the NFL to not have success, even though 
it's understandable in Gruden's situation given his contract. But that shows you, like, in every organization throughout the league, it's been an utter failure. Yeah, I mean, three look, Doug Peterson... NFL playoff, especially with seven fucking playoff bursts. Doug right? Peterson got fired for his last three years, and he had won the Super Bowl previously, the year before, right? Yes, and he'd gone to the playoffs! <laughs> that situation yeah. is pretty unique. No power, no power struggle uh, with the head coach and the front office. and. But uh, I think Gruden's at the spot the where it's he's just not in any threat of getting fired for the foreseeable future. So it's like, it can still be bad and nothing's going to happen, which is kind of scary. And you start looking at the AFC, like, where are they just going to waltz right into the playoffs? Like, it's going to be difficult. Hiring Gus Bradley, you need better, like you said, more talent. Like, you can't just acquire a Joey Bosa, but you need to upgrade. And I don't necessarily know how you do that because their draft pick, once you go 8-8, and you're not drafting the top 10. Uh, And the... Those type guys don't hit free agency, so it's going to be difficult. You are going to rely on Gus to just elevate those guys, right? And, and like you said, he, they battled injuries this year, but they still finished 23rd in points. And as someone tweeted, I think me and you, or you forwarded me something like, he was like the Chargers defense, like it wasn't Justin Herbert losing these games, right? Yeah. They, they were a big reason that if their defense had been better, you know, they ended up going 7-9 and nine with that offense. They might have been a playoff team. Defense and just game management was bad. Spe- special teams disaster. I- I'm not putting it... I'm not putting their disaster season on Gus Bradley at all. But I do think if we really dove into it, it's not like he comes, you know, uh, he's Rex Ryan's dad in the mid-80s coming from the 85 Bears, right? It- it's not Buddy Ryan. Like, that's not exactly who you're getting. But I think the bar is so low, it feels like an upgrade, Right. It is an upgrade. It is an upgrade. Yeah, I mean, look, if I told you the the Raiders' defense next year was 10th in yards and 23rd in points right now, would you take that or not? Do you have the yardages up right now? Of? Just NFL defenses? Because the Raiders had to be bottom like three or four. I think they were 30th or 31st. I I don't have them up right now, but let me pull them up. Yeah, so I, yes, I I would say that that would be a Would you take that? 23rd in points next year. To me, what is the number? Because their number was so high, it was like over 30, and you can't function that way. If you could get down to like 25, 26, with their offense, that might be 9-7, and 10. And I, I still think it's difficult to make the playoffs, though, guy, with a defense allowing high 20s. Yeah. Uh, I do have the defensive stats now. Points. Raiders are there were... Any playoff, are there any playoff teams in the bottom 10? Uh, so I'll just read you from the worst and go up. Lions, Jags, Raiders... Vikings, Cowboys, Texans, Jets, Broncos, Titans were ninth worst in the league in points allowed. One spot behind the Chargers, who allowed twenty-seven points a game. So maybe you wouldn't take twenty-third. You'd say that you'd say the Titans are a little bit of an outlier because their offense was elite. Yeah, a- and another element of the Titans is they had a two thousand yard rusher, meaning that they control the clock at the end of the game. Probably, if we really did a deep dive on that situation, it is a little unique given the way they play and the way they can just bleed out a game, right? I'd say that group of teams you listed was like, God, shitty, shitty, opening, opening. All these teams are like, yeah, who's who's going to be their coach, right? Everyone got fired. Browns are Browns Elway were a couple demoted spots himself. Ahead. The Browns defense hasn't been good either. Yeah. Top defenses in the league, guess what? Rams, Ravens, Steelers, Washington football team, Saints, Dolphins. Uh, Patriots. If you Bucks. have a good defense, you're typically pretty good. 
Like, if you have a top 7-8 defense, you are at minimum. Like, it took a historically bad offense for the Patriots. And what did they finish? 7-9? Yeah, I mean, well, they got a genius. The Dolphins could have been a playoff team. Yeah. Yeah. Giants, Colts, Chiefs. I mean, these are all... If I'm Gruden, not I do Giants, everything but... possible to get a top defense because then I'm a lock to go to the playoffs. Yeah, it's I, just that simple. Th- this is—I hate to say this. I don't know if we should keep relitigating this. It's been three years now since he's gone, but I, it's an obvious thing to say, Khalil Mack, because um, he works in in any defense. But he, w- you would really be able to use him in this. This would be ideal. Yeah, but that's that's over and done with. We can't live in the past. Yeah, it's Cleveland Farrell and Max Crosby now. So good luck, Gus. <clears throat> Gus is like, well, that uh, three-year, seven-million-dollar contract they gave me. <laughs> the Deshaun Watson rumors will not die, and it leads to a bit of a trickle-down effect. Uh, one is that Mort said Deshaun want to go to Miami, and in that scenario, Miami would trade to uh, to the Houston Texans. Maybe they also trade them number three and number eighteen. That'd be a pretty, if you're Miami and you could do that, that'd be pretty attractive. Um, but what if you're Miami and you don't? want to give up three and 18. You just want to trade Tua because you want to use your third pick. You want to get, try and get Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. You want to upgrade from Tua. You got a year of them and you don't think it's good enough. PFF had a mock draft the other day that had the Niners at 12 trading for Tua. And I thought it was well done. It wasn't, Hey, this is a prediction. The writer just said, this is something that I think I would do. I would consider this. And if I were the Dolphins, I'd consider it too. The question this video is about, trying to answer is would Kyle Shanahan like to a Tongo Vela? So let's get into it. Can I pump the brakes? Cause I've seen that floated around on Bleacher Report and just several places about that pick going for Tua and just Tua going for first round picks. Mm. Everybody. We the NFL and like the fans all have televisions and we witness Tua's performance. Now when you're a young player coming off an injury, your draft status and what you did in college and that evaluation is still going to hold a lot of weight. But the film that existed in the NFL, I think I heard Coward say he had like 600 snaps this year. Like the guy played a lot. And whether it was fair or not, or whether it was just short-term thinking about the playoffs, like he was getting yanked out of games. Twice that happened. Twice. Against not the Chiefs, not, you know, uh, the Bills. It happened against the Denver Broncos and the Las Vegas Raiders, if I remember correctly. And it easily would have happened the last week against the Bills, but Fitz had the uh, had the Rona. And, it, so and, he, it, and I'd add to it, John, and it proved to be the right decision every time. Every time. So I do think they're, whether it's a little unfair that he was coming off an injury, the way he was thrust in, whatever, okay. Yeah, I, I'll even listen to that argument. But what I will not listen to is the physical skills are the physical skills. Like his size, his arm strength. Like that's just what he brings to the table. I, under no circumstances, even if I like Tua a lot, could I trade the number 12 overall pick? Like think about this guy. Last year, the 12th, or I guess it was the 13th overall pick, netted DeForest Buckner, who is one of the all-time Pro Bowl snubs, is like an all-pro. Like that... The, the 22nd pick got Stephon Diggs, who, if, you know, non-quarterback, I'd say him or Derrick Henry, like, offensive player of the year, right? Was that a fair statement? Like, that, you know, the, that's what first round, what I think first round picks, it nets you 
Pro Bowl stars. So I and I understand quarterbacks are in their own different area, but like, no, I would not do that. Now, the Niners second round pick, because when you draft 12th, right, you draft 12th in the second round. Would I trade a pick in the 40s for 40, a guy that 40, I go 43 for them? Would I trade pick 43 for a guy that last year at pick 31, right? I never would could have sniffed drafting. And if Tua would have fallen, let's say hypothetically to the Niners at 31 and they took him, I do think people, if just in the hypothetical world, they had just stayed at 31 and not traded up, you follow what I'm saying, and just taken Tua, people have been like, God, he just fell to him. What were they going to do? Like, that's just smart move. And now could you get a guy, it's almost just, to me, just use the real estate analogy. Can you get a home that you would have gladly purchased for a million dollars that's now $500,000, even though you don't need a home, but you go, God, but you kind of need a home and you're open to moving, it's just, it is intriguing. And I, yeah. I would imagine Tua, the Niners, and I think the Colts, the Steelers, there have to be a lot of teams that never dreamed of drafting Tua, right? He just knew he was going to be well off. So they didn't spend that much time, but you just, in the way a draft process works, you talk about the player, and you probably liked him, because I, I think he was well-liked coming out. Now, was he universally thought of as some can't miss? Probably not. But was he just, this guy's going to be a good NFL quarterback? I think it's fair to say that. And now he's just kind of, I don't wouldn't even say he's available, but he's just kind of available, right? I mean, I, there are conversations if you're the Dolphins, being had. He, you would have to consider, I think if I am the Dolphins, I would consider him not unavailable. You know would what you I mean? trade him for a second round pick? Yeah, if I love Justin Fields or whoever, I'm Zach Wilson, yeah, I would. I would trade him if I think I can upgrade. Because I, you and I, before he even started the whole process where he was getting benched every other week, we watched his first game and went, huh, so that's what it looks like in the NFL. I'm like, okay, we'll give it time. And then we watched his second game, and we thought, hmm, that's what it looks like in the NFL. So this is not even about what happened with Fitz. That's a part of it. But I don't know how you could watch the full year and think of him the same way you thought of him coming out of Alabama. Now, I do think there were things that, um, you know, he does that probably would, like his not explosive arm probably doesn't scare Kyle off. I mean, we've seen the quarterbacks that Kyle likes repeatedly. He doesn't need well, the, Col- the, Col- the Colts just played a season with Philip Rivers who doesn't have a great arm. Well, yeah, but I mean like specifically the guys that Kyle likes or has, has liked. I mean, he likes CJ Beathard. Now he liked him in the third round or the fourth round end of the third round. Guy, what was it? Guy, Nick, y- y- third round. Yeah. Nick Mullins been his backup quarterback for two years running now. I mean, Matt Ryan and Kirk cousins, Kirk cousins is, was, you know, he's been chasing Kirk cousins for several years. So, I could see Kyle liking him. I, to me, from a Niner standpoint, it's okay. I don't need Tua Tonga Vailoa to be. If I'm going to get a sec, get him for a second rounder, I don't need him to be like a franchise quarterback. I just need to think I can get him to be as good as Jimmy Garoppolo. Can I? Can I get Jimmy Garoppolo out of him? Because if I can, for much cheaper than Jimmy Garoppolo, then the money I save on Jimmy Garoppolo is going to make up for the fact that I don't have a second-round pick to use on whatever else I need. So, I like, from that standpoint, I'd consider it. Now, I, I don't think he's well, I think I think you could trade Jimmy Garoppolo to get a pick. Okay, you know? yeah, and even that. But that, that, I'm just saying, like, that's how I'd look at Tua. Would I be willing to trade a second-round pick for a guy that I don't think is a, fran- like a true franchise quarterback? I would if I think he at least... Br- I break even on it from a quarterback... If, from a quarterback stand, a quarterback ability standpoint, because now I can make the rest of my team better because I'm not 
paying this guy Jimmy Garoppolo's salary. Um, and if in Miami, uh, like I think you, if you're open to trading him, I think you have to be open to trading him for a second rounder because I don't like you said what trading a trading a first. I think you have to ask yourself at the end of going into last year, so like uh, the 2020 season after they went to the Super Bowl, if you would have told Kyle Shanahan, you can just drop Jimmy and start over with Tua and save a bunch of money, would you do that? And I would imagine after the Super Bowl, they probably would have leaned no because they told Brady no. And then I think things dramatically changed for Jimmy and his standing. But you also have to factor in like Tua's standing changed somewhat, right? They're, they're the the his I'd say his star is just dimmed, you know, I pretty greatly. Like it wasn't just like oh, you know, because I there were two quarterbacks in his class that we saw and we went, wow, I'd take both those guys, right? And everyone was like, yeah, I don't know if I see it. And then the Dolphins fans were like, I'm telling you, he's good. I'm t- I promise they don't let him throw. And it's like. Yeah, they keep benching him for uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, but I'm, they just won't let him throw. It's like, well, yeah, I'm just I'm watching your team, and something's just off. And I think sometimes w- when a player tells you who he is, and I'm just talking we, in the end of the hardest part, and we'll talk about Mac Jones a little later, is going, what's this going to look like in the pros? And you never, I, I think Devontae Smith's a good example. Like, is he really going to look this fast in the pros? You don't truly know. You know, I know for a fact it's not going to be that easy. But he might either be a star or it's like, of course, you know, he's small. He can't can't get off press coverage. It's hard for him. But until he's in a pro uniform, then you're like, okay, that actually works. Or no, it doesn't work. And that's the thing with Tua. Like, yeah, just, I don't know if it works. And I just wonder if Kyle, I don't know, man. I, I, I bet he wouldn't. You bet he wouldn't do it or you bet he wouldn't like him? Or wouldn't have liked him. I bet. I bet he probably liked him, like as a lot of people did, because you just projected. Well, the projection's over. We saw some of it. So if you do still like him, you're basically talking yourself into they didn't have much talent. Fitzpatrick was just so much older. He was just so much more aggressive. It was easier for him. This guy was. You're you're, you're talking yourself out of a lot of negatives that exist. Yeah. And like tangible things that happen. Like Jimmy's easy, right? Jimmy's just like listen. When he's on the field, we can function and be just fine. We're at the point now, like the the knock on Jimmy now is like I don't think I don't know if when every game starts if he's going to be around, right? For all his flaw, I can deal with his flaws, but I need him to play in games. So that's the point he's at now. Like people keep saying, like, can you upgrade Jimmy? It's not the, the conversation has changed from last year. Last year after the Super Bowl, it's like, is he good enough? It was about football. Now it's like, yeah, he's missed seventy percent of the games in two of the three years. Like that's officially a disaster. Yeah. Tua's problem is like, okay, he's healthy now. Just I don't see the arm. I tell you this: I'd rather trade the twelfth pick for Matthew Stafford than the second round pick for Tua. I agree. I would trade the second round pick for Matt Stafford. And the twelfth pick there's for a, Matthew Stafford. Yeah, the twelfth yeah. pick for. I think there's a decent chance we'd probably really have to do a deep dive of the top 12, 11 picks, but. Typically in the top fifteen, most teams aren't a player away. And I'm not saying the Niners necessarily are a player away, but the way they operate and the way they view things, they're in a unique position where that would be on the t- like. It wouldn't make sense for any of the teams in the top ten, right, to trade the the first that pick for Matt Stafford because it's a win now move, and the Niners need to kind of win now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? not kind of. Yeah, they're trying to. Have to. 
Right now, sign up at DraftKings for your shot at millions of dollars in prizes. And you can join the Haberman and Middlecoff DraftKings League. We got a Sony Open game, and we got a divisional weekend game going right now. Get in it. What do we got right now? Download the DraftKings app, promo code HAM. I'm in the golf game. I think I need to enter the football game. People are always asking me, how do I get in these games? And I say I need to do a better job of tweeting them out, but I need to reserve my <laughs> spot. Just reserve my spot, so we're in. So we got multiple games going, right, guy? Multiple games. That's golf, right. Football, the, uh, the divisional round, we got 48 people in as of recording this. Golf, we got 36. So uh, get in. Can't recommend it enough. Yep. Do it. Download it. Chance to win a million dollars. You can play in other games. We're going to keep it rocking and rolling in golf as the golf season starts, just moving forward to the majors. Obviously, we only got a couple more weeks left in football. So uh, we got to keep the action going, guys. That's right. Get in the Haberman and Middlecoff DraftKings League. If you have any problems, just hit us up, Twitter or Instagram. Um, and, uh, and yeah, use the promo code HAM when you sign up. And this is another one. Invite your friends. You know, it's fun. We got all the leaderboards. It's fun to see uh, other people you know on the leaderboards. We've been doing this for you know, several months now. So we kind of, you kind of, we reckon you, you tend to start wrecking, you recognize all these other names on the thing. Um, so who how much money you have in your account? You still got a lot of money. I in have uh, $823 in my DraftKings account. I got, I used to have account. like 200. I'm now down to 20. So you, uh, DraftKings been got, very, very got, good to me. You got a nice little honey hole. going. <laughs> I got to win. It's been a little while since I've added some money to that account. So I got to, that's, that's true. Win. You don't need to anytime soon. DraftKings, download the DraftKings app, download it, download the DraftKings app. People often like, how do we support the pod? Download the DraftKings app, type in promo code HAM. That's supporting it. We appreciate it. All right, John. Uh, with every day that passes, uh, it seems like uh, Robert Sala gets more and more sure of uh, an NFL job moving along with the Jets. Has the Lions almost feel like Sala's going to have some... It might be that he can choose jobs. Yeah, I mean, it. I saw Garofolo tweet that the Lions job is a little more up in the air. Then it felt like a little bit of a lock coming into the process, like he was going to go to the Lions. I, I just think there are a ton of candidates out there. It does feel the last couple of years, not a shortage of candidates, but it was just three or four guys. We had a large crew of the coordinators. Then you factor in all the college guys. Then you factor in the retreads, right? To me, it's not even just like Marvin Lewis. It's I see Leslie Frazier's in the mix. Obviously, a guy like Jim Caldwell is back in the mix. And I think there's a chance that some of those guys, if they get the chance to talk with an owner, they just have a resume of like, yeah, what do you, how can you lead the team? Well, when I was the head coach at these places, this is what I did. Like, there is something, when you're interviewing a coordinator, there's a huge projection there. When Marvin Lewis sits down, he's like, yeah, when, uh, you know, back when I worked for the Steelers and the Ravens, I don't know, as an assistant coach, and we went to Super Bowls and I won one, and then I became the head coach at, I don't know, the biggest joke organization in the league, and I led them in the playoffs yeah, six See how they're doing times. since I left? Yeah, I, I do think, like, Marvin Lewis sits in front of you. If you're a team, you're like, well, I just know this guy can get my the train back on the tracks for my organization. When Arthur Smith and, and Sala, when they do talk, they're just, this is what I plan on doing, right? It, it is a little different. If I'm Robert Sala, though, and it does feel like if he gets offered a job, he's gone. Uh, clearly, I mean most coaches are, but he has a pretty—I wouldn't say cushy gig, but he's got probably one of the better gigs, assistant coaches in the league, right? He gets to run an organization where his coach is an offensive coach, but values defense. Look at the last couple of years in the first round, he drafts defensive linemen, and Kyle's even got on a record like, "Yeah, they're harder to get. We need to do that." Like he does, 
sometimes offensive coaches lean just the other way, you know, and that he's been very good to be for Robert Sala. Yeah. You just have the opportunity to where you go to the Lions, like you probably have influence over who the general manager is. You go to the Jets, like, I don't know if you're quote unquote working for Joe Douglas. And I think a lot of general managers, when they go on record, they say this, but I do think they kind of mean this. Like I do kind of work for the head coach. My job is to be, to get him players. Because if you don't think like that as a GM, you don't control the games. You don't control the practices. You need that guy. To me, you're a fucking moron if you don't try to hire the best coach possible. Even if that guy, quote unquote, might want a little more juice, it gives you the best chance to win. And then if you win, you become highly paid and a legend, right? No, no GMs are like, you know, I was a GM in the league for four years and my coach was Freddie Kitchens and Tom Sula. Like, yeah, you moron, why'd you hire those guys? <laughs> Phil Savage told me, the worst mistake he ever made when he was the GM of the Cleveland Browns was hiring Romeo Cornell. He just hired the wrong coach. And the moment you hire the wrong coach, it just ruins your general manager career. Because unlike coaches, not many guys... I mean, look at Thomas Dimitrov. All the success he had, he'll probably never become a GM again. Well, Robert Sala, if he goes to the Jets or the Lions and doesn't win, there's a chance he'll get another shot. Well, he'll get a, so, another defensive coordinator job at worst, and you're great at that. You might get another shot to be a head coach, depending on how it goes. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I was told by people that had worked around Joe Douglas, the type of guy he would be looking for was a John Harbaugh type. And I do think Robert Sala has a different personality, but some similarities in just leadership in terms of people just follow his lead. He just resonates with people. He resonates with young men. Uh, it does make some sense when you think about it. where's Joe Douglas from? The Ravens. What would Sala be like? He kind of feels like a little raveny. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think there's a couple. There's there's one. Here's another thing Robert really has going for him. I think the and by the way, I think the Lions is just. I think that organization's a disaster. I wouldn't go there. Yeah, but there's this balance, right? It's like okay, I can go to the Lions. I can. I might be able to have total control. I might be able to bring my GM with me, and my GM answers to me in the way that Kyle Shanahan brought a GM with him, right? So the, I, there's a little bit of this kind of attraction where you're playing with fire because it's Detroit, but because it's Detroit you're getting more than another organization might give you. The Chargers can't give you that either. Whereas with the Jets, I think now that Robert Sala's having a second interview, part of this is with him, and like you said, he's in a really good position. Part of it with him is evaluating whether or not Joe Douglas would be a good match. Because unlike in Detroit, Joe Douglas would have roster control. Joe Douglas would be his boss. And Sala doesn't have to just jump. It doesn't feel like at this moment, like he has to jump at any offer that comes his way. He's got a little leverage to try to make his offer good, right? So that means I get to choose. You don't get to tell me any coaches I get to hire. You don't, or I need to hire. And he's got now. I would, I would say this, which you shouldn't, as a GM, you shouldn't want. No, to. like but that I should just, be his baby. Yeah. If you're him, I do think there. If you think Joe Douglas is great, if you sit down with Joe Douglas, you go, I think this guy's a good GM. If everything you hear about Joe Douglas is good and everything you've heard about Joe Douglas is good, a lot of what's been reported has been good, then it's not the worst thing in the world to not have total roster control if you trust the guy that does have total roster control. It does help you do your job. In an ideal world, somebody else has roster control than the head coach, and they can really trust that person and believe in that person. Don't you think, remember when Lewis told us, if you get so caught up on that, you're almost screwed from the beginning. A little it's a little bit, I would say, in like a marriage, little prenup type talk. Yeah, like it's if a you're red, just consumed with that stuff. Sure. It is just 
you are broaching subjects that are probably need to be talked about and will inevitably be an issue potentially. But if you're obsessed with that off the jump, it's probably like, I like this guy. I believe in this guy. I think we can work together. Let's, let's rock and roll. I'm like, I need to have the 90 man. You know, it's true. I think there's something else that Robert Sala really has. Do you think we talk? I wonder if we talk about that more than actually young coaches do. Or maybe they've been hammered home now that it is a big deal. I don't know. I I mean, to me, it... It is a consistent talking point. It comes up at the beginning, for sure. Yeah. Just so we're clear, when we're all in the draft room, you do need to establish it. Yeah. Uh, The other thing I think Robert Seller really has going for him... Two guys holding magnets like, I'm taking this guy! I'm taking this guy! You're like, Billy, call in Mac Jones! No! Jimmy, call in Kyle Trask! (laughs) You know? And the guy that ultimately makes the pick is just the kid who has the access to the red phone. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Take a... That's when the owner makes a pick. Um, Yeah. I think the other thing Robert Sala really has going for him is, in all likelihood, he will know exactly who he wants to be. As he knows his offensive coordinator. He's yeah. not picking his off. And, and I know we talk about that a lot from the standpoint of the team. Like, okay, you know who Robert Sala would be bringing with him, either LaFleur's brother or Mike McDaniel, and that makes you as a team feel better. But I'm saying, from Robert's standpoint, knowing the guy that you're going to bring in gives you a better chance to succeed. And not every head coach has that that you just don't always get that opportunity to to know the guy. Sometimes it's an agent connection. Sometimes you might know the guy, but you haven't worked with him in three years. Robert Sala's got a really good thing going from that standpoint. Uh, that should make him very comfortable as well. Well, part of it is, and I've heard Kyle talk about this, you know, there is an unwritten rule about you can't just take everyone from the staff. He's like, when I, when I was in Atlanta and I became the head coach with the Niners, I had I talked with Dan Quinn about the guys that I wanted to bring. And part of like McDaniels and LaFleur, like those guys were in Atlanta because I brought them there, right? Where if Robert Sala, who got the job in San Francisco by getting hired by Kyle, like those guys were he's inheriting, like those guys were just on Kyle's staff. He's like, damn, these guys are pretty good, right? Yeah. There, to me, there's a difference of when you get a coordinator job, if they let you bring two or three guys, like those are your guys. So if I'm a head coach, I do understand if that guy becomes a head coach, he gets to take it. If you come to my staff and I got five or six of my boys and you just want to take those guys, like that's that's to me where it gets a little murky. And luckily, this is where I think it's just that Kyle and Robert have a really good relationship. Like they're on the same page. There aren't some curveballs like, damn, he tried to raid 17 guys. Like that used to happen to Belichick and there'd be knockdown dragouts. Well, why do you think that used to happen with Mangini and some of those guys stealing some of the guys? Because you don't talk to Bill about things like that. It's just like unspoken. And then you're like, well, I wanna, I'm want i going to bring these four guys. Yeah. The guy's like, please get me out of here. <laughs> <laughs> and Bill's like, nope. <laughs> it's weird. People want to leave Belichick while they're having a bunch of success because it is really hard. You know, I don't think people necessarily want to leave Kyle, but you do want – there is – part of leaving any place is always getting a raise, and it's, it's human nature. Yeah. You know? Yep. No, there's no doubt. Um I think the Jets job's a good job. I mean, we've talked about it from Robert. That's the other thing from his standpoint is like, do you get to talk to Matt Stafford? Do you get to know whether or not Matt Stafford wants to stay? Because I know with the Jets, I've got some options here. I can take a quarterback. I can keep a quarterback. Hell, I can keep a quarterback and take a quarterback. Joe, what are you playing? Joe, what are you thinking? Right? Joe Douglas, what are you thinking? That's what I would say if I'm Robert Tyler. Joe, what are you thinking? There's another element of... Joe Douglas is an established GM. I mean, he's younger in the role. He's only been it for like a year and a half. 
but you don't have to worry about anything personnel. It, just in the sense of you get to work with them, but yeah. you don't have to like hire the GM, play a role. Like you just, you get to solely focus on it. I do think as a first time head, like it's one thing for Urban Meyer, who's in his mid fifties to like have all these grand plans. Right. I, I think for a first time coach who's in his late thirties, early forties, I do think it's easier to not have to fuck with it at all. It is a lot of extra, just like, you know, we're tandem. I got to help him hire a staff. He's like, there's just a lot going on. Yep. Yeah, I know. I, I That's I what I'm saying. If you trust the guy, it's better. It, it's hard to say it's better, but it's, in many ways, it is. You do your job. He does his job. The Jets franchise, just from a franchise standpoint, if both turn out to like, if you tell me that in a couple of years, one, whoever Robert Sala goes, they're both competing for the playoffs. I choose the Jets every day of the week. It's just a more important franchise, the league, New York, the history, the, the you just get talked about more. It's yep. just like you, you don't have a shot. The one thing, even though you're in the Patriot division and the Bills division, like if the Jets are good, they're they're leading talk shows. Yep. You know? <laughs> the thing with the Lions, like you're just and if they're bad. You're never the pack you're never the Packers. Yeah. And you're never the Bears. It's true. Hell, you're never the Vikings. Like the, I'd say the Vikings are dramatically a bigger franchise than them. Yeah. It's just that's it's a bad job. All right, John. Mac Jones, Alabama, draft prospects. He tied Deshaun Watson's record for completions in a championship game. And he broke Joe Burrow's record by one yard of passing yards in a national championship game. Uh, so he's a combination of Deshaun Watson and Joe Burrow. I say draft that guy number one. At one point in time, like early in the fourth quarter, I looked at his stats. He had like 465 yards I mean, touchdowns. I was like, I, oh, I, my God. I do think he – before we get to his draft, I, I tell me if you agree with this. I think he does – his year gets lost a little bit. Yeah. He was a 77% passer. 77. He threw 41 touchdowns and four interceptions. How many – say that one more time. 77%, yeah. 41 touchdowns. Four interceptions. I think part of it getting lost is typically when you have that type season as a quarterback, you're just the shoe in to be the best player in your team, or at least us view you that way. His wide receiver won the Heisman Trophy. So that shows you. And I think his running back over the year was like, was a, you know, I'd say coming into the year, Najee Harris was like third, fourth, second pick, round pick, became kind of a star. Like, damn, is this guy the best running back? Is this guy going to be like a 10-year NFL pro? So you just had two guys. And then just anytime you're at Alabama, Nick is the kid. We just talk about saving more and the program. But you had a star running back and a star wide receiver. And really, Waddle, remember those first couple games? We did a couple like videos like, this guy's killing it, guy. He breaks his leg and he goes away. Which, in a weird way, I wonder if Waddle breaking his leg... They just would have split so much led to Devontae getting the uh, Heisman, right? Devontae probably doesn't win the Heisman if Waddle stays just because those targets would have been gone both ways, right? Yeah, I mean... Waddle Cal- was getting a ton. Remember early on in the, in the season, Waddle was dominating. Waddle might win it. Hell, Mac Jones might win it. I, yeah, I think it's more likely Mac Jones, that 40 goes to maybe 50. I mean, it's just... And, and they would just demolish people. Now, the question is, what is he as a pro? And... um I think one thing that I've heard that's interesting is is that, and maybe you've said this. Actually, before I even get into this, what do you think he? Where do you think he gets drafted at this point? It's early. There's where a lot do I think, or happen. what would I do? Uh, well, both. I think he ends up going in the top fifty. Okay. 
and and probably most likely late first somewhere in the second round. For me, I view him as a backup, so I'd say middle third later. Yeah, something like that. Well, I think you're on the right track with both your prediction and your. I but I but I mean with quarterbacks, I, I would say that first round is not out of the realm of possibility. We've just seen the history of. I'm sure he's a super high character. Seems like people love him. Like he's very liked in the program. Yep. He like waited his turn. It's like, well, why didn't he start? I don't know. They had Tua, right? It's not like, you know, it was one of those Trubisky. Like, why didn't he start at UNC? Well, they had the Haberman starting above him. It was like, yeah, Tua. Yeah. I, I think it's an easy one to like kind of. And then he immediately got his spot, remember, last year and started playing well. Remember, he played well yep. in the Auburn game. He destroyed Michigan. And this year it was like pedal to the metal, like it's on like donkey. I remember yeah, thinking he, once you, he couldn't have done any more for himself. Yeah, right. I remember thinking once Tua went out last year, like, well, this is over, and people were like, no, this Mac Jones guy. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And then it was, oh my god, this Mac Jones guy, like he can do it. Like he still has. To, yes, he ev- remember he eviscerated Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, that's now, right. He he had he had all the wide receivers. That's right. And I just remember like. Through the first quarter, like, oh my God, this is, they could score 70. And he's still got to make the, uh, yeah, Devontae's open, but he's got to, and sometimes Devontae, like, it looks like he's open, but you still got to make the throw. And he really, his, his he throws a, accuracy. He throws a beautiful deep ball. No he doubt. He throws a good deep ball. So I went back 30 years and then even 40 years on national championship winning quarterbacks. There's three kinds, historically, three kinds. Number one kind is you're great. You won a title, your team was great, you're great. Joe Burrow, was in that category. Joe Burrow still has his career to play out. We'll see. But as a player in college, he was great. His team was great. I'd say Trevor Lawrence was in that category, right? He was great. His team was great. There's the second category, which is... Cam Newton. Yeah, Cam Newton. He was great. And his career played out, showed that he was worthy of the pick. Yeah. The second kind of national championship quarterback, second of three, is we think you're great, but you tricked us. And there aren't aren't many guys like this, but like... Matt Leinart, right? He went 10th. Vince Young went third. Um, we could debate Jameis. I would say Jameis. I don't think he tricked so us. I'd say he's better than those guys, but he's not like in the Cam Burrow right. crew, probably. Tua, we don't know, but I would say from an elite skill set standpoint, you know, we're seeing probably overdrafted at five. And then the third category is you're not great, and nobody really thought you were great. And because of that, what you see is there aren't second round quarterbacks taken national championship quarterbacks don't go in the second round. In fact, in the last 30 years, and I actually think I did some spotty research beyond that into the eighties. I think we could probably go back into the last 40 years. The only national championship winning quarterback that went in the second round was Jalen hurts. And Tua came in. He lost the job to Tua. The rest of them, there's only two quarterbacks that won the national championship and went in the third round. Two. And well, you, you, the last one was Brian Greasy in 97. You know why? Because I've done a study on the second round quarterbacks of just the last decade. They typically are physical freak projects. They're typically like Derek Carr, Deshaun Kaiser, Kaepernick, guys that either played at a smaller school, level, yeah. so you got to project, or they didn't produce enough, but they have these physical attributes. They're kind of more like an NBA pick in the second round, not based on like, it's not based on winning or anything. It's really more on like a physical attribute guy in the second round that, that needs work. That, that, yeah, right? either he wasn't on a good enough Drew, team. Drew, Drew Locke, usually probably on teams that don't win enough, so you got to project it a little right. bit. 
they're, they're usually a complicated Dalton who's like, you know, I think this guy could be a starter, but not sure. They're, they're usually more of a project. Then there's a few, there's like a Tebow and I don't need liner. Like liner was going to get picked there anyway. But I, I do think when you have guys who aren't physical freaks going high, they're coming off of great teams. It has to, right? You can't be a non-physical freak and get drafted in the top 10 unless you're coming off a great I team. Agree. So, but by and large, what we see is Cardale Jones, fourth round, AJ McCarron, fifth round, McElroy, seventh round, Matt Flynn, Matty Mock, Ken Dorsey, seventh rounders, Craig yeah. Krenzel, fifth rounders. Chris Winkie was a fourth rounder. He's one of the higher drafted national championship quarterbacks in the last 30 years. I do think that's going to change dramatically. I don't think those type guys with the way football works will exist on the top teams I, anymore. I think you're right. I think but, that's fair. I do think that's fair. But I do. I also would say, like, like, look at Mac Jones. He's not, his arm is not plus plus. It's pretty, it's good enough though, right? What would you say about his yeah. arm? Yeah, I mean it's a solid, it's a middle of the road NFL. Certainly, his good mobility NFL. is not. You would not call no. him a top ten pick without this production. Yeah. My ultimate point is, if you look at a national, if you put I, what I would do is like, if I put Joe Burrow on Fresno State, I think he'd be a really good player. If I put Mac Jones on like Nevada or Fresno State, is he anywhere near a first round? Probably not. Right. Right. He wouldn't be near a first. Doesn't mean he couldn't develop into a good pro, but you would have it'd be a big projection. My ultimate point is this. If a guy wins a national championship and you go, not a first rounder, but I think he's a second rounder. He's probably a fourth rounder. You're probably looking at him with national championship glasses on. Again, I, I think moving forward, I agree with everything you've said and the study proves it out. I Thanks think for calling as, we study. Go, as we go in the next decade, it's kind of clear that you need an NFL quarterback now to compete to win national championships. And I'd say the the first probably 20 years of our lifetime, being born in the 80s and definitely the 90s and even the early 2000s, you could build it like a 1980s NFL team. It's like, you know, I just got uh, Jim McMahon as my quarterback, but I got an elite defense and a run. I got sweetness. Like, that's just not how you – like, you need a top quarterback now in college and the pros. Yeah. I, I think just think that's changed pretty quickly. Like, over – look at Saban. <laughs> like, Saban's like, I, I got to get elite guys at quarterback and offense. He pivoted. I think the game has changed. Well, you're right. Mac Jones. With, I, is I think an Mac Jones is still, but I but I think Mac Jones is still like the type guy like you could have put on those early '90s or late '90s, early 2000s Ohio State or Miami teams. Like he's that type guy, and that's where I do think there's going to be some negativity pushback on him. Like you know, I don't see it right where it's like Trevor Lawrence, and that's why I like Justin Fields still. Like he's got this raw physical talent that. I can mold. And maybe it doesn't work, but I'm taking a chance with a physical guy with Mac Jones. Like, what's his what's his ceiling? Like as high as other guys' floors? You know, that's where I could not take that guy in the first round. And I wonder if these studies are being done more and more now just because of the impact of drafting a quarterback. I think drafting a second round quarterback is the worst thing you can do because the majority of them don't hit. And then the majority when you have a second round quarterback on your roster. Your fans and from the outside, it's like, well, you got to make him the starter. You got to be a franchise guy. And it's like, you see it with Drew Locke. It's like, well, like Jimmy Garoppolo and Derek Carr are really the best two second rounders of the last decade. And it shows you, like, that's just, that's the best case scenario. And I even think they're in a little bit of a different category in that Carr physically belonged. And you could see it right away in his in his NFL career. It was a smaller, it was a smaller school thing. Yeah, that his physical tools existed. Um so Kaepernick was a second round and, and, physical. Yeah, and, and I, yeah, and Kaepernick was coming from that unique offense that basically the Niners just started running, right? Yeah. 
you know, because we saw him try to run the normal offense and he couldn't. And, he, and I, the one thing with Derek and even Kaepernick, Kaepernick was a physical freak, right? He's 6'5", he has a huge arm, he could fly. Derek, like you said, had a lot of fit, his armed talent meshed with a lot of first-round guys. He was really early in the second round. Like, I, I would imagine a lot of teams had him in, like, late first-round picks. But if you're drafting 10th, you're like, well, I can't. Yeah. I don't have a pick in the 20s. Yeah, yeah, what yeah. do I do? Yep. You know, and, and looking back, the Browns, I mean, just screwed up. Remember, they wanted, they had, I think, was Kyle there? He wanted, remember, he wanted Derek, and they took Johnny Manziel because the bum told him to take Johnny. Well, that the, that's the one thing that Mac and I think Trask are going to have going for him is when you do, and this is where you got to be careful, you start bumping them off the draft board because of character. And it's like, you know, his skills are just... guy. I mean, he's throwing to... He's on an all-star team. I, I think Bama on offense has really become an all-star team. I mean, just look. I, I'm watching that game and going... Well, they're beating everybody the way an all-star team would. He, here's what I know. Ohio State, I just look at their recruiting rankings the last five years. Like, the, the, every guy on this field is an elite guy. Like, beside Bama... You know, I mean, they just could have gone to any school they wanted to do in the country. Like, if they told Kirby, I want in, they are like, you're in, right? If they told Lincoln Riley, I want in, they're like, you're in. Like, they got the cream of the crop. Every Nick Saban, I, I saw somebody tweet this, every Nick Saban recruit has won a national championship. But, but I'm talking about Ohio State's guys. I'm saying Ohio State's crew of guys, probably a lot of them were, had Bama offers, and two, any other, country, any other school beside Bama and Ohio State would have gladly taken that the majority of the guys that were playing last night. Right. And, and and Mac Jones's team made them look like guy like Arizona State or something. It was crazy. Like I, I had to take a sit back and go, this shouldn't be this easy against these guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, we expected against Notre Dame. You're like, well, they don't have the speed. Well, Ohio State does, and they made them look fucking terrible. And to me, that that diminished Mac a little bit. And maybe it's unfair and we'll find out over the next five years. And it made me think more of like Devante, Waddle, Menchie, and Najee. Like those guys are just better than these other guys. Yep. And I think it's easier looking back with Leinert. Like their team was just, and I think a lot of those guys that you mentioned, the names, it's like their teams were just so stacked. Yeah. Which is, Vince. It's, uh, there are guys that win national championships that don't get drafted. I left one second rounder out actually, John. Charlie Ward. But that was the NBA second round. I, I used to like him on the next. I love Charlie Ward, man. I, I thought too. Charlie Ward was so cool in college. Yeah, me too. I mean, that's the dream. Star quarterback and NBA player. Pretty cool career. Actually, Charlie Ward was a first rounder, so I take it back. He was the 26th pick. In the NBA? Yeah. Yeah, pretty good athlete. That would be a cool... Honestly, the NBA would be desperate for that crossover right now. Just a guy that plays both. Oh, <laughs> they would pay to like, yeah, you just play like 30 games on our NBA schedule and play your NFL game. <laughs> We're good with that. Just, yeah, just play for whoever. That'd be great. God, they that would, would be absolutely, God, could you imagine? That would be cool. Remember, there there have been some guys, Donovan played pretty high level, Tony Gonzalez played pretty high level. It's been a like, while. You know, you know tournament, it's been a long USC's time. USC's guy, Drake London, he was on the basketball team, but then he, after as a freshman, but quit because he's clearly going to be a three-year college football player. I wonder if back, it does feel like in the 80s and 90s, it was a little less time restrictive of like, yeah, we'll just come out to practice, bro, play. You know, 
we're just we're just running like four plays on offense. Like you just play. Uh, we're playing uh, Miami on Saturday. We're just gonna run you a couple plays. Now it's like you need to put in your seventy hours studying the playbook, hit the gym, eat the right foods. You cannot go to basketball practice. It's like Jesus Christ. Dion's like, yeah. What times? Uh, what time's well, USC let Adoree Jackson do what he wanted. Remember, he was running track. But I, track is so much. No, no, I know. Run. I just mean like it was like, yeah, Dory, when you can be here, that'd be great. <laughs> I think the hard part about basketball and football in college is both those two coaches on campus like require so much of their guys. It's why you still see the occasional baseball player. It's like, yeah, just bro, you just come out of the pen, you can pitch. Jameis. Baseball is much chiller, I'd say, than the basketball and football at any Division One Power Five program because both both coaches are just gonna just be on you. <laughs> Izzo was the one guy that, like, remember he let Draymond play because he, as Draymond said, he always wanted to be a football coach. So he's like, yeah, I want you to play. Do it. But I don't think most coaches want that. It was a sprint. Yeah. yeah. No, why would you? Especially with a good player. But I do. I I wonder if it never happens again. You know, like the Brian Jordan, Deion Sanders. Well, I think just the other thing is you get more guys specializing at a young age. So you just have less guys that are even in that category before they even get to college, right? They've, They've probably picked a sport. By the time they're sophomores in high school, they pick a sport, especially a basketball football combo. If you're a basketball player, you are not risking much. You could be in the NBA in three years. Yeah. Uh, So I think one of the I think one of the interesting things, the next I mean, now we're, you know, we're a couple days removed from Saban, but still seven national titles, seven in 16 years. I I think the to me, one of the things that'll be the most you think you think they hit a home run on that hire? I think uh, I, not only did they hit a home run, but I think he did the right thing. Hal, what was the guy's name? Hal Moore? No. The AD. Hal Mummy? No, the oh, AD yeah. that hired him. Hal, uh, I don't think it's Moore. But anyway, I don't know nailed it. Uh, I think yeah. one of the more interesting NFL draft discussions over the next few months is going to be Najee Harris. Because it's just people hate. It's like everyone agrees now. Like, oh, you don't think I'm running back too high? But then you look at that guy and you're like, oh, my God, I want that guy. Right, I want yeah, to him me, to me. The, to me, the ideal spot for Najee Harris, second round value the whole the whole nine yards, second round second pick Jets. They take him, pick thirty four, Najee Harris Jets. Why? That's why Jets? Well, they just need offensive skill guys. Oh, okay. They I don't have you. a running back. They're rolling out Frank Gore. I think there's so much blowback whenever you take a first round running back, and some of the smart teams just don't typically do that. The last couple years, too, there have been a lot of misses in that, like Rashad Penny, uh, Sony Michelle, where all the sweet guys have been like Chubb in the second round. You know, just you just got to wait a couple spots. You don't pay them as much. If I'm Joe Douglas, I'm like, oh, I dare you're you. Right. That's a great call because no one, no you know one re- gives you a hard time for a second round. He reminds me a little of Marshawn at Cal, just in the sense of the underrated part about Najee is he's a big running back, but he can catch. And I think sometimes, like, playing uh we talked about this the other night on the pod but like playing derrick henry in DraftKings, you're kind of just dependent on him going for his 160 to 200 yards which he does a lot but if he only goes for 40 he doesn't have the other like well he got you seven catches for 80 that's not really his thing and i think now it's become these hybrid guys that do both he what made marshawn so great ironically marshawn was in adrian peterson's draft Adrian Peterson can't catch. Adrian Peterson is a little bit like, he's like a more dynamic Derrick Henry, but he was a running back. Like he had to, he was going to run for 160 yards. He doesn't do anything in the catching, in the passing game. You watch a Najee like catch one-handed balls. Like 
that one that one sweet play that Sark when he had to do like the fake handoff throwback and Najee catches it behind his back like he has soft supple hands. <laughs> I I was impressed. I mean he's I don't remember a running back one going back to school. It's usually a disaster. Two improving just like I remember watching Najee the last couple of years like he's a solid player to go from this guy is really good. Like this guy feels like an NFL starter, right? Yeah. Like Najee Harris is an NFL starter. Yeah. Clearly. I mean, dominate. Again, you can say Ohio State, their defense is down a little bit. Those guys are still going to play in the league, and he's just running around them, over them, through them. It was crazy. And do you see someone ask them after the game? They're like, you know, it was just, how'd you do that so effortlessly? And he's like, effortlessly. I was a great, I loved it. He's like, what are you guys talking about? Do you you understand? I I, I can't, I got a deep thigh contusion right now of the safety hitting me. My shoulder hurts. I mean, it wasn't effortlessly. That was a great quote. We're like, yeah, you just ran for 180 yards. That was easy. <laughs> easy. <laughs> I know. That was great. I do think Saban's guys, too, have had, you know, that once Trent Richardson is like, oh, you know, Saban runs them into the ground. And then it's like Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, kind of a little uh, Damian Harris with the Patriots, a little bit of a comeback. Yep. That's a good call. Remember when, like, early in the decade, it was like, you know, beside Julio, a lot of busts coming from Saban. Now it's like, yeah, now you just draft Alabama. A lot of sweet dudes coming from How Saban. How about every one of his receivers? Like, it's not even, like, Julio's by far the most, uh, like, overtly uh, talkative guy. Like, it's, they're more, it seemed like, like, Ruggs, I don't know. I guess Judy's probably got a little more outward personality, right? Ruggs doesn't ever seem to say anything. I, do, you, do you feel like you hear Julio talk? No, that's what I'm saying. Julio is on the high end, and even he, just because I saw him yell one time, Amari doesn't do that. Yeah, Definitely Devontae. I'd say also Julio's just been around longer, so you just... Yeah. I don't know. Just to, me, he's more, to me, he's more recognizable than the other guys. I just, I'm just I saying, looks Saban, like. gets the, Saban somehow gets the only guys that are, they're like the most elite, and also they talk no shit. <laughs> and like you got at a position Waddle, known who's for limping it. around like coach, I want to play. They're like, <laughs> bro, you got a broken leg. He's like, I want to play. Who are these guys? Where do you find them? I think they get. I think like, he brain- guys kind of a diva. I think he brainwashes them. I think that's what happens. I think so. Too. I think he's a cult. He's got like he's a, his receivers are all like cults. Well, I, I think he's able to uniquely be on their ass from the jump, and they're just their heads. Like he just kind of keeps them grounded in a weird way as they become st- guy. His wide receiver won the Heisman and it wasn't even that weird. It was like, yeah, he's going to win the Heisman, right? It wasn't an upset. It was like, yeah, he's the best player. And then you just watch the two playoff games. You're like, yeah, they got it right to me. I, that's one of the ones, the last I'd say decade where it was like, no one else deserved the Heisman. It would have been wrong, especially after that national championship game. It would have been wrong if Kyle Trask won it, right? <laughs> yeah, guy, I, he had I 12 so. catches for 250 yards through like a two and a half quarters, he was begging. I saw Saban say he was begging to go back into the game after his finger shattered. He's like, no, bro, you ain't going back into the game. I love that every well, time guy, they showed him Where the does hallway, he find these he guys was, that beg to go back into the game that are going to be top 15 picks? I where does that happen? It doesn't. He brainwashes them. As, a, as an SEC scout told me, there wasn't even a thought of an opt-out on their team. Guy, they had star players get injured, and it was like, Nick, I'm coming back. That center, Dickerson who is a Florida State transfer, and it was probably like a fringe first-rounder tore his ACL. So he's probably, someone will draft him in the third round, kind of like a stash, and he'll be like a 10-year starter. He dressed out for the game. Like, his guy, their guys, 
And Nick kind of alluded to it after the game. Probably hasn't had many teams that liked football. It felt like as much as that squad. Right. Because it felt like they were all in on just kicking the shit out of everyone else. It's incredible. As in a year where everyone else was like, nobody's got 100% buy-in. And you understand it. I don't even blame anybody. Their buy-in was like over the top. I wonder it if weird. it was a little bit last year, like, we're Alabama. We kind of got waxed by LSU and some of those guys. You know, because even yeah. Waddle and Devontae weren't, like, Judy was kind of the the name guy last year, it felt like. Tua was the name. Like, those guys weren't quite stars. I mean, they were pretty big, I guess. <laughs> Najee definitely had a lot to prove. But yeah. You still see, usually see a running back, if he's going to be a third-round pick, just go pro and not come back. Well, he did the right thing, though. It worked out for him. He's really good. He's one of my favorite college players to watch in recent memory. Just like, God, this I know. guy's dominant. I know. All right. On that note, adios. Later. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.